UMass has just completed their second straight sweep, this time beating Union by a combined score of 14 to 1. Things are firing out of all cylinders for this team, and we're going to talk all about it. Let's go. everybody and welcome to episode 40 of high character umass just had one of the highest scoring weekends in program history they beat union in two games by a combined score of 14 to 1 and we are here to talk all about that series my name is cameron i am joined by my good buddy evan evan how you feeling after that weekend man i'm feeling damn good i don't think you really can feel much better after putting up 14 goals in two games. You know what I mean? We literally scored a touchdown each game. We're literally having more offense than UMass football right now. Like, this is unbelievable. I don't want UMass football to be catching strays in the middle of the pod. Like we say, there's always somebody catching a stray. This time it is a UMass-affiliated team, but, you know, these things happen. Um, I'm feeling great. This is going to be an extremely long episode because we have so much to talk about. I just literally chugged an energy drink before getting going on this, so... I'm ready to go. I'm excited. I'm ready to get into it. Yeah. So uh, when you get 14 goals, there's a lot of people on the scoring sheet. We were tallying it up before we got on and there's so many guys who scored points. So it's going to be, it's going to be hard. We're not going to be able to touch on every single person um, who like got on the scoring sheet in, in depth, but um, I think, I think we'll have a good episode kind of sum up who got the most um, what the, what the big moments were. We'll still, we'll still go goal by goal for the games, but uh yeah, and there was a big talking point. What would be the goalie situation coming into this weekend? Um, we'd wonder if we'd see a split of the two goalies. In the first game, we saw Pavisic, which we fully expected. And then game two, we saw um, Cole Brady, which was which was interesting to see. Yeah, and I mean, both of them ended up putting on really solid performances, like only one goal against across both of them. And to be completely honest, the one that Pav let in should have been a save. You know what I mean? I think we can all kind of be honest on that one. It's a pretty soft goal from pretty far out. It kind of just rolled off of his glove hand. It happens. You know what I mean? He played absolutely lights out before. You're going to let in a soft one eventually. So you really can't be that upset about it because in the grand scheme of things, didn't really lead to anything, you know, for Union. We haven't let in a legitimate even strength goal since AIC. You know what I mean? All the goals against for Denver were both, you know, with the goalie pulled. They had an extra guy out there. And then, yeah, I guess the one that Pavlin and was even strength, but they didn't earn it. You know what I mean? It wasn't even really like a legitimate scoring opportunity. So we've been looking absolutely lights out in front of both of our goalies, you know, defensively. We've been blocking shots very well, cutting off a lot of passing lanes, but both goalies still had to make some really, really solid saves across, across the games. And they were both on their, you know, on their game. They were playing very, very well. I think Brady kind of surprised a lot of people. I think you know, with what we saw at a Pavisic, we thought there would be absolutely no way that, you know, Brady could match that and provide like, I wouldn't say like a legitimate goalie competition. Cause again, we hadn't actually really seen him play all that much. And overall, according to, from, from what I heard in the uh, exhibition game, he looked really solid, but in his first, you know, legitimate, you know, game experience like that, you know, against like a, an opponent that would end up actually going down on our record. He looked amazing. I think it was a 30 safe shutout. I think, you know, a, a fair amount of those shots were not the best quality. You know, they would just be ripping pucks on net, entering the zone. They weren't from any dangerous opportunities, but there was a couple of times where he had to make some really solid saves and he looked really good. He was a big presence in the net. So really impressed with both of the goalies this weekend. Yeah. And we'll, we'll touch on them a little bit more after we get through the game summary, but let's just jump right into it. We have a lot of scoring to go over for, uh, for two games. Yeah. So, uh, just like both of the Denver games started, um, a very, very quick goal for UMass. Um, team cra crash in the crease. Lautenbach ends up putting it in. But uh, this one goes to review, and it ends up getting waved off. So uh, not, an, not a first minute or two-minute goal for UMass, but uh, they do get it in, um, waved off for goalie interference. Yeah, and I mean, it seemed like that goal was a little bit against the run of play. I feel like in that first game, we started off a bit slow. I think, I think Union had a couple of really early chances, a couple of two-on-ones. And 
I've noticed a lot of the time, you know, in our defensive mentality when it comes to defending off the rush, we always play the pass and we always let the goalie take, you know, take the shooter. It, that's a dangerous game to play, in my opinion. I think sometimes you want to be able to step up on the shooter and make their shot a little bit tougher, but there were definitely opportunities for Union to score. Luckily, the backhand that they took went wide, so and that kind of led us to rushing up on the other end, and I think that's when the goal actually ended up happening. But things were a little bit scary early on. You know, obviously, you're, you're happy. You know, I think we were down in shots at that point. I think the shots were like five to three in favor of Union, and then we just crashed the net and put one in as – our teams tend to do, you know, sometimes you got to just get those greasy goals to get things working. But as we'll talk about throughout the game, not all of our goals were extremely greasy. Some of them were very pretty actually. So we, um, we definitely looked better as the game went on. Yeah. And uh, UMass got their legs after a couple minutes. Sometimes it takes these Tarvel run teams a, a little bit, like half the first period, maybe to get, um, to get their legs under them, but it, it was quicker in this game. Um, and you mentioned there's some pretty goals, but uh, the first one that actually counts in this game was, was pretty greasy in itself. Puck bouncing around the slot, and Taylor McCarr puts it in. Lawton Box ends up getting an assist on it, so he uh, he gets on the point sheet pretty quickly still. Yeah, and it was just another case of looking really good, you know, behind the net. I think our, our board play has been absolutely tremendous this early on in the season. We have a lot of strong skaters in our team, and they just have extremely good balance on the puck. So being able to kind of control those boards down low and being able to make plays in front of the net leads to these types of goals. Um, and McCarr was in the right place at the right time. I think Lautenbach deserves a ton of credit on the goal. I think he was really battling down low. He wheeled around the net and put it into a dangerous area. Um, good things happen when you put the puck in front of the net. You know, like we saw that on Morrow's goal last week um, against Denver. You know, the puck, even though it was a bounce off the end boards and then it kind of just pops out back in front, sometimes you get the puck luck. And as long as the puck is in a dangerous area, you'll get rewarded every now and then. And this is just one of those times that you get rewarded. You know, Makar was there at the right time and just pounded the puck in the net and really got the crowd into it. Like the Selly game on Makar was unbelievable. He doesn't score very often, at least as of recently, but when he does, his Sellies are electric. And it, it was a great way to kind of get everybody behind the team in the stadium that early yeah, in the game. It's really uh, telling how much this group likes Taylor because anytime he scores, it's just a different level of mm -hmm. like, celebration, which is pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, the game game was pretty even throughout the first half of the first period. Um, you mentioned earlier um, the one goal that was scored by Union in this series came about halfway through, kind of a weak goal um, in terms of what we've seen from Pavisic so far. But the uh, the goal scorer was Bram Shearer for Union, and that tied the game about halfway through the period. Yeah, from what I remember from the goal, they basically just entered our zone off the rush. They got a little bit of space to kind of put a, a put a forehand shot. It basically was going right towards um, Pavisic's like mask, like his helmet. He got his hand up to try and glove it, and it just kind of bounced off. At least like it looked like the side or the top of his glove, and just trickled in. I mean, sometimes you just miscue the hand-eye coordination, and things like that will go in. Um, obviously, it's one that I think Pavisic would want back, but I wasn't really nervous, you know, at that point because that was the only like major shot on net that they had up until that point. I don't really think uh, Pavisic really had to do a whole lot beforehand because we were still playing besides the first two minutes where they had a couple of, you know, really good rush opportunities that luckily went wide. I think just Pavisic wasn't really all that challenged. And we ended after that point, we were just completely locking it down on defense. You know, Pavisic kind of just shrugged that one off immediately and put it behind him and just started doing this thing right after, you know, he was right back into, you know, battle mode, just, completely aware at all moments and ended up finishing the game with a lot of really high quality saves. Yeah. And UMass had a very quick answer. Um, like you said, it comes on the power play and power play was extremely big this weekend. We'll, we'll touch on that more as we go along, but it comes on the power play. Um, Kenny Connors, Nets one, he uh, kind of skating on the blue line, kind of just tossed it on net and it was another good puck luck kind of hit the back of the goalie and went in. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you say the you say the blue line, I think you mean kind of like the goal line. He goal was just line, sitting, yeah. yeah, he was sitting right, basically almost behind the net. You know what I mean? He kind of just did a little spinorama shot, trying. I think he was trying to send it over to Morrow on the opposite side, and he ended up just kind of getting it on net. I don't think the goalie was ready. I don't even think he was ready. I, I don't think Kenny Connors tried to put that on net. I'm gonna be honest. You know, <laughs> if you were to ask him after the game. I think he might be lying if he was saying that he was trying to tuck that five hole. Like, mm -hmm. you know the. 
if that's what he tried to do, he's a certified hyper genius. But if not, I mean, they all go in anyway. You know, I think you just sometimes you just have to catch the goalie off guard. Um, Murphy was not looking happy after that one. He was totally blaming himself for it, as he should, rightly. You know, it wasn't a great goal to let in. I think that, in my mind, immediately kind of evened the game back up to like one nothing. You know, you get rid of Pavisic's goal against, you get rid of this goal against. I think we're kind of back to where we need to be in terms of quote unquote fair goals. So um, again, another really quick answer because, you know, I think UMass is probably a little bit frustrated after that goal against. So I think just getting this one back really said, all right, you know, we're back in the driver's seat. Everything's cool. Again, we're back to a nice normal game. And I think we really settled down from there and we were just, you know, playing really solid focused hockey from, from then on. Right, and a chance for the skaters to immediately go to have uh, and be like, we got your back. Exactly. Score one two minutes later. Um, you mentioned pretty goals. This next one was was pretty good looking. Uh, 13 seconds left in the period. Um, we get a shot from Jerry Harding from the top of the faceoff dot, and he nips one. Make it 3-1. Yeah, I erroneously attributed this in a tweet on Twitter to uh, it being a tip because I saw somebody out in front of the net, and it looked like he was far post, and he tipped it. It turned out it was Matt Koopman. Um, never actually got a tip on the puck at all. It ended up, I think, taking a deflection off the union defenseman. And again, not really a whole lot that the goalie can do here. You know, you just, again, you put, I I like to call it like the corridor of uncertainty, like just that area right in front of the net. You have no idea what the hell is going to happen. It's just, you're playing pinball basically and praying that something hits, you know? And again, you just got to get rewarded sometimes, you know, there's, there's an element of puck luck to things. And then there's also the element of, consciously knowing where high percentage areas are on the ice and you put yourself in that position Mm -hmm. to succeed. And this is just another case of it. You know, we are a very strong group of kids on this team that don't get knocked over very easily, you know? So if you're sitting there in those danger areas, you're always putting yourself in a strong position to get a good bounce on the puck. And this is just another situation of that working out for us. I'm very pleased with, just kind of the overall offensive positioning, you know, like you're always available to make a play at any given moment. Yeah. And uh, UMass at this point kind of firing on all cylinders three to one after one, we move to the second bit more evenly matched of a period kind of skating both ways, but 10 minutes in Kolo Hara um, and Reed Lepster break out on the two on one and Kolo Hara buries his first ever collegiate goal. Yeah. This was awesome. I think for Cole, because I think, I think that fourth line that he's on, you know, I wouldn't even really call it a fourth line. I'm just going to call it the freshman line going forward because even as Carvel was saying in his interviews, everything's just kind of a fluid, you know, line motion. There's no like one, two, three, four, and you're not attributing kind of the shifts and the minutes accordingly to that. Everyone's getting a fair shake at the puck. You know, he's really comfortable throwing every single line out there. And I think Cole finally got rewarded because that freshman line has been so great, you know, especially this early on in the season when, I remember we were kind of saying in the season preview, like if that fourth line is firing, we're going to be a damn good team. And they have been firing on all cylinders. You know, maybe I would say after the second period of that AIC game, we, we as a whole, not even just that freshman team has been playing number one ranked hockey. In my opinion, we, we have been looking like the number one team in the nation ever since the end of that second period in the AIC game. And Cole wasn't really getting, you know, too much on the score sheet, even though both Dick and Kenny Connors have been absolutely lighting up on the score sheet, but you're going to get what you deserve. You know, that's what Carvey always says. He finally gets what he deserved because he was playing very solid. It wasn't like he was an anchor holding down the line at all. It was just, you know, our defensemen like to get very, you know, well involved into the play too. So you can't give, you know, five points on every play. You know what I mean? He was definitely getting the plus minus and stuff like that. He just wasn't getting any primary or secondary assist on stuff, but he finally gets, you know, a very high quality chance on what was a two on one beautiful sauce pass by Lebster. I got to say, he was just looking beautiful on the playmaking with that. But um, yeah, it was a very easy, you know, goal in the grand scheme of things for O'Hara. You know, you collect that puck, you corral it, put it top corner, looked great. You know, I think he definitely finished off the chance and uh, yeah, again, just keeping the momentum rolling. You know, we were just in the driver's seat for basically the rest of this game. Yeah. And more on the, those national rankings a little bit later. That wrapped up the scoring for the second period, 4-1 UMass after two. Um, and UMass just came out guns blazing in the third. They really dominated the period. Um, about eight and a half minutes in, we get a, um, a shot from the face-off dot from Scott Morrow and a beautiful tip from Lauten back to get his goal on the power play, make it 5-1. 
Yeah, these were two guys that I thought that were just completely controlling this first game. Um, Lautenbach definitely had, you know, a lot to show for on the score sheet. I think he had a goal and two assists this game. Um, he was absolutely killing it. I think he provided amazing energy. Um, I read in an interview from Carvey um, a couple of days ago that uh, apparently Lautenbach wanted to be put on the, uh, on the power play lines. And coach was a little hesitant at first. And he said, you know what, I'll give you the shot against Union. And he's been delivering, you know, obviously – you got Scott Moore on your line, you're going to look amazing by default. That guy just makes his teammates 10 times better. You know, that's the things that Morrow does. But I think Lautenbach was in a very solid position. You know, he's out there half screening the goalie, half making himself, you know, available for a tip. And Morrow's going to do what he does. You know, he's just that guy right now. Um, elite playmaker. He has amazing shooting abilities and instincts. So he found Lautenbach stick like it was nothing and put in a perfect tip, you know, near post top corner. It was just lovely hand eye by, by both, by both, uh, members of UMass there and yeah it was a great goal yeah and uh the next one comes just about a minute later another power play for UMass Union is extremely undisciplined we'll, we'll see that in the second game too but uh getting on man rush on the power play uh Lautenbach with a perfect pass to Kenny Connors who nips one for the sixth goal of the night yeah I mean we've been we've been talking about power plays just this entire game you know I think they had six penalties this game it was something ridiculous you know they were extremely undisciplined on, on union's behalf. You know, they were just not doing the things that they need to do defensively because again, extremely strong skating, you know, usually you give up penalties if you get outskated and we were just outskating the hell out of union uh, the last two nights. They, we were just completely dominating the flow of the game. And uh, Connor's when I, when I started, you know, in the beginning of this podcast, when we were talking about, you know, some greasy goals, some pretty goals. This is a pretty one right here. Absolute twine seeking missile from, Kenny Connors here finds himself in the high slot, takes the puck and just picks his shot. You know what I mean? Just below, I think it was a uh, Murphy's glove and just absolutely nips it. You know what I mean? Like doesn't get much better than that off of like a little toe drag move. And you know, it was unbelievable stuff. That's some stuff that you would see in like NHL 23. You know what I mean? Like you take that, you do the little, little right stick dangle and then you shoot it. Just unbelievable stuff from Connors. He's been absolutely electric as of recently. You know, yeah. boy, do we love seeing his, his offense. I mean, more, we'll talk a little bit more about him later, but uh, he's been very refreshing sight out there. Um, yeah. And that made it six to one. Like I said, one set, one and a half seconds left in this game um, in garbage time. Lyndon Alger gets his first ever goal for UMass. Got to feel really good for him. We know um, we've heard that the boys love him in that locker room. So really happy for him to get that first one. Yeah, if you're a Union fan, that's just an absolute punch to the nuts. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're, you're down 6-1 at this point. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm looking at all these goals to remind myself, you know, how these goals are scored on Twitter right now because we have so many goals to go over. I can't memorize them all. I'm going to be honest, you know. But this, I don't even think this goal has a, has a video on Twitter. I think everybody was already mentally checked out of the game because we were just so dominant, you know what I mean? But he just – he gets the puck in the mid-slot again. I think it was – very similar to Kenny Connors' goal and just puts a little wrister on net. I don't think the goalie saw it at all and just found the back of the net, you know. And, and at this point, people were literally turning around to start walking up the stairs and leaving the building. And you just hear an absolute roar from the student section, you know, like what was left of them at that point because you figure it's a Friday night around 9 o'clock and your team's up 6-1, probably going to go hit the bars. You know what I mean? Let, we'll, we'll be honest here. But everybody that stuck around was rewarded with – Lyndon Alger's first goal of his collegiate career. I think that's awesome to see. You know what I mean? It's It's been a long time coming for him. Um, Alger has definitely improved his game throughout, you know, his, his years here. So for him to finally get rewarded like that, I think was a real treat. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, that was the last goal of the game. Made it 7-1, and that is your final. Um, UMass just firing on all cylinders this game. Just I'll bring you through a couple numbers. They had 39 shots on goal. Um, they were 30 for 51 in faceoffs. Um, they had only two penalties the whole game, eight block shots. Um, Pavisic looked great. Just like nothing, nothing negative to take away from this first game whatsoever. No, you put up a touchdown worth of goals. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's unbelievable to see. And I mean, realistically game should have been a shutout. You know what I mean? Like that one goal against a little bit of a tough look, but I'm going to be honest. If you were to tell me that, Pavisic shuts out Denver and then like the monkey's paw curls and then says, but you're going to let in a soft one against union. I'll take that any day of the week. You know what I mean? I will not be complaining about that whatsoever. So 
And at the end of the day, we got the job done. I think the offense was absolutely killing it. Defense was absolutely killing it. You know, very, very large amount of block shots there. Again, just, it, we were just taking care of business. You know, we were not doing anything different. We were not kind of trying to reinvent the wheel. We just played solid, solid hockey. And that's going to beat a team like Union at the end of the day. You know, you can give all the praise you want to your opponents and say they're a well-coached team and they're a good team. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. They're not on the level of UMass. You know, if we just play the way that we're meant to play, we're going to beat teams like that no matter what happens. So it was a very reassuring kind of overall game experience for everybody involved. I think it was awesome to see. Yeah, and it's it's nice to be a goaltender when you know that you don't have to be absolutely perfect when you know mm-hmm. you guys are going to pick you up like that. Um, it's really good to see. One, there was one little negative out of this. Um, Cal Kefuke didn't play the last few minutes of the game. It looks like he might have got hit by a, a puck. Yep. Um, from what we hear, um, not too big. Um, he did miss the second game, but lads, it's union. Like it's just like a precautionary yeah. thing. We didn't really need him to to be out there. So um, he should be good to go. Uh, we'll see. We'll see next weekend. Um, and another note going into game two, we mentioned it earlier. Cole Brady getting the start. We thought this might happen, uh, especially with how game one went. Just a dominating win. So uh, good to see him get out there, start this game, um, his first start of the year. But yeah, that's how we how we start game two. Um, UMass didn't get there uh, very early in the game goal. This this first period of game two was actually uh, looked a lot closer than all of the last game did. Union came out with a game plan. Um, they they played UMass pretty evenly up until close to the end of the first. Um, and about three and a half minutes left, Matt Koopman, we get a goal um, to break open the scoring to make it one nothing UMass. Yeah, the game up until this point was a little chippy, like, you know, just in the sense that we really couldn't get any clean zone entries, it seemed like. It seemed like we were getting shut down a lot in the neutral zone. I think Union definitely went back to the drawing board in between games and kind of rethought their defense. And I think they were pretty effective in their coaching changes. You know, fair play to Union. I think they game planned a lot better for us. But again, just the amount of pure, like, I won't even say pure talent. I would just say character on the team. You know, we just have that determination where we're just going to keep hacking away at you and we will eventually find a breakthrough. And it came in the form of, you know, this goal by Matty Ice himself, King Koopman, if you will, you know, just <laughs> he's doing his thing out there. It again, not a very, not a particularly pretty goal. You know, it was pretty similar to his other goal that he scored last weekend against Denver, you know, just sitting around in the low slot, puck falls to you, slap it on net. And, you know, you hope the goalie doesn't see it. It's exactly what happened. Right place, right time. It's kind of been a similar theme with a lot of our opening goals, it seems like. Just kind of being close, you know, being in close, getting that greasy goal where you're chipping it on net. And, uh, yeah, that's been the way that Koopman's really been scoring recently. And fair play to him because, if I'm going to be completely honest, I wasn't expecting this level of offensive contribution from him this early on. You know, you look at his numbers from Providence, you think – you know, he's going to be a very effective energy guy, you know, probably a third, fourth liner, but he's been doing his thing and I could not be prouder. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think, you know, not to go off on a massive tangent here, but some of our transfers, you know, last year were not up to quality. You know, they were not starting a lot of games. They just weren't playing unless there were massive injuries. Now we got some transfers coming in, playing big time minutes and making big time contributions. That's what you need, you know, especially this early on, they're going to get the momentum really start to gel with their new team and it's just going to get better as time goes on because we need these experienced guys because we have a very young team otherwise yeah you're totally right and uh you said that goal was greasy that one reminded me of uh when you're playing shell and the puck's loose in front of the net and you skate oh, yeah. in just jamming up on that yep. uh, on that analog stick just yes open. sir <laughs> that's what that reminded me of but uh that's how the first period ended one nothing and this second period was likely the most dominant period we've seen from this team this year just an unbelievable an unbelievable one for UMass and uh holy smokes we get it started three minutes in Scott Morrow Kale McCarr-esque on that one I'll let you I'll let you dive in I mean just an absolute snipe show at a at a at a Morrow there I mean I don't really know how to describe it any better than that you know like it it looked very similar to the goals that he would score last year you know I, I I guess I could define it as a human highlight reel type of moment, you know, like he, you know, the assist by who's that Lebster there, 
can you really call it an assist? I, I feel like you should call this an unassisted goal. You know what I mean? He literally drops the puck. It's a legitimate drop pass. And, you know, Morrow just gets the puck, skates up to the face-off dot, and just lets it rip. I think it was short side. Just an absolute peach of a snapshot right there. And that's just the type of thing that, that Morrow is going to do throughout this entire season. You know, he's been electric to start off the season. And if he keeps this up, we might be seeing some some Scotty for Hobie shirts coming out pretty soon. You know, like he's been that guy as of recently. There, I think, I don't know if it was in the first period of this game, but Scotty did have a couple of moments where I don't want to say a puck hog because the man knows how to play. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to doubt his IQ, but there were a couple moments where he did try and do a little too much, led to a turnover or two. But sometimes those are the risks you got to take because you'll have moments like this where he scores an absolutely electric goal and just completely changes the flow of the game that I feel like we're willing to concede a couple of turnovers in, you know, to, to allow these types of magical moments to happen. Yeah. And this is just eye test only, but it just seems like compared to last year, um, he's getting stripped of the puck a little bit less when he mm-hmm. does those, uh, those solo moves like that. So definitely seeing the improvement out of him and it, that was such a pretty goal. Yes. Um, that one was on the power play. And then, a um, little bit later, about halfway through the period, another power play for UMass. Um, Lucas Mercury just gets a perfect cross-crease pass from Tyson Dick for the goal. Yeah, I mean, I it's kind of hard to, to find goals where the guy scoring the goal is deeper in, in the crease than the actual goalie is. You know, it, it, it looked like something out of, like, soccer. You know what I mean? Like, the goalie's coming out of his crease to try and, like, block a cross, basically, and try and, you know, cut out the pass, but completely misses it and – Mercury's just kind of sitting there on the back step. Like, I don't want to take anything away from Mercury right here because you got to be able to score those and be in the right position. But if you were to put me out there on the ice, and I can't even skate that well, but if you if you posted me up right there with that sort of pass, I could have tapped that in genuinely because that's just how well he was set up by his teammate there. I think that was Tyson Dick on the assist. It uh no, it looked like it was actually Cole O'Hara. Good, good for Cole. You know, they they listed it wrong on the box score then. with the primary assists yeah no it was well it looks like it it comes from the high from from the point from o'hara it looks like it might have got actually tipped on by tyson dick and then over to it it crossed like four different sticks on the way over (laughs) to mercury sticks so you know if you slow it down and you do a pixel perfect we might be able to get some different assisters there but regardless absolutely beautiful pass there by by cole o'hara and Mm. whoever ended up deflecting it onto mercury stick eventually fair play to them as well you know it was just Another great goal, again, on the power play, where it's going to be a redundant theme. We should just record ourselves saying the word power play and just hit a button where it is a power play every time we have to say it because we're going to be saying it so much more. You know, like we were absolutely (laughs) electric on the power play throughout this entire weekend. Yeah, speaking of that, two minutes later, uh, we get another power play. um, And Scott Morrow, again, man, just a a perfect one tee to pass from Ufco. um, Just in front of the blue line there, another really pretty goal from him. I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. This gives off to me vibes of Kale's Notre Dame goal back in back in New Hampshire. He didn't have the celly perfectly right where he kind of does like the hands up in the air and kind of does his nice little Kale celly. But I think just the vibes are very similar. Just a complete beautiful one T. Didn't wind up as hand. much. I wouldn't. But, yeah, but yeah. he was definitely ready. You know, it was a beautiful one T. But look, I'm trying to make as many Kale references I can <laughs> here because. This is, I think, the closest we're going to get to Kale in, you know, the near future. Mm. I think Scotty's been an unbelievable offensive D-man for us. You know, he's going to have, I think, in my opinion, over 40 points this season. He's absolutely killing it, you know. So I think sometimes you got to reach for those sorts of comparisons, but I think it's appropriate in this instance because I think Scotty's just going to keep getting better and better. You know, he's becoming more and more confident, but he's also becoming smarter, you know, like, I think in a lot of cases, but you know, maybe last year he would be the type of guy to, to you know, not to one tee that puck. He would try and carry it back in. But I think now he's just, I think he's trusting a shot a lot more. You know, I, it seems like last year he was trusting his hands a bit more to try and walk it into the, like the low slot and then try and just, you know, in tight close quarter shot. He's very willing to shoot from distance now because he knows that his shot has developed a lot more, which I'm very, very happy to see. Yeah, me too. And that's a three-point weekend from Morrow. Um, well, I think we'll definitely see his name in the, the Hobie conversations if he keeps this up. Mm-hmm. Um, and to cap off the scoring in the second, uh, about two minutes left, 
We see a, an odd man rush, a nice little pass to the slot from Reed Lester and Michael Cameron. That's his, uh, his first collegiate goal on a pretty nice night. Yeah, so this is, I'm actually looking at this goal right now. So this is the second time that Lebster has had a perfect pass to give somebody their first goal of their collegiate careers. You know, because he did it. He did it for Cole O'Hara last game, and now he's doing it for uh, for Michael Cameron this game. Beautiful assist by Lebster again, and a pretty beautiful shot, all things considered, for Michael Cameron. Like you know, you mentioned at the end of the last game, you know, Keith Uke was going to be out for this game, and I was a little. I don't want to say that I'm surprised, but I'm very satisfied with the fact that Carvey is comfortable enough with the rest of his lines to be very good contributors that he doesn't want to break up their chemistry. And he just slots in Michael Cameron on that first line. You know, he, he just is a very plug and play type of guy. You know, I thought Cameron played very well. You know, he um, had very good energy. He was a very quick skater. Um, he back checked fairly well um, because, you know, you got to figure if you're coming off the bench, you know, like meaning that he was, I think he was an extra skater a couple of games ago. He doesn't really have much legitimate game time, you know, ever since he joined the program. Um, he really wanted to make his chance count. And I think this was a beauty, you know, his positioning, he filled in the gap quite well on the, off the rush. He corralled the puck. It was a great, great pass by Lebster. And the shot itself was very similar to Kenny Connors, you know, from earlier, or I think it was last game when he ended up just nipping that one off the, uh, off of another, I think it was a Lebster pass off that one too. I, there's so many goals. I can't remember at this point. <laughs> 14. But yeah, exactly. 14 goals. You know, if I get things, you know, a little bit conflicted and screwed up, my apologies. You know, it's very tough to try and remember all these goals, but yeah, getting off the tangent Cameron with an absolute beauty snipe right here. Couldn't, couldn't be happier for his first collegiate goal. And I hope there's going to be more to come. Yeah, me as well. Um, that was the fourth and final goal of the period five, nothing UMass after two um, team was just about coasting for the third um, set seven and a half minutes in another power play for UMass. Um, and it turns into their fourth power play goal of the night. Um, there's no highlight for this one that I could find. No. Tyson Dick scored it um, from Mercury and Nodler. I might, uh, might refer to you for how this one went down. I'm going to be honest. At this point, we were just in the driver's seat, and I was, like, just basking in the glory of being up this much. I don't remember the goal that well. So I'm going to treat you guys with a couple of Dick jokes because <laughs> Dick was the one that allegedly scored this. He had his hands on his shaft. He was ready. You know, he was just really – I don't even know what to say anymore. I've already lost what I wanted to say on this goal, but he was absolutely killing it tonight. Um, I think he had two goal or two points this game. He was just, again, in another really good position to succeed. I think realistically, if I remember correctly, the puck might've just bounced off his chest. I don't even think it was a case of him like sniping it or anything like that. I think he was just sitting in front and it was a point shot or something to that effect. Um, it just, yeah, you, you texted me after that one Dick in the right spot. So that there yeah. you go. I mean, I don't even have to come up with my own dick jokes <laughs> on the spot. I literally had them from, you know, preloaded from, from yesterday, mm -hmm. but yeah, he, he really did his thing. It's just another case of the, you know, all the freshmen just doing their thing. You know, we have three extremely skilled freshmen on that fourth line and they are just firing on all cylinders. You know, they're playing very well. Um, yeah, go Dick. You know, this is the 40th episode. We got number 40 on the score sheet. You know, this, it, there's something poetic about it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's like some weird astrology stuff. I don't know how any of that stuff works, but we're definitely, uh, there's definitely the stars were aligning for that moment for us to talk about Dick on this episode. Yeah. And, and Tyson's been really impressive so far. We didn't really know what to expect him coming from the BCHL. We kind of talked about it at length um, earlier this season, but he's been um, a big, a big time presence on that fourth line. Just, um, yeah, just really impressive to watch, and we hope to see more offense from him going forward. And then uh, the seventh and final goal for UMass came uh, at 12-29. Taylor McCarr finds himself uh, with the puck on a two-on-one, turns on the Jets to make it a one-on-one -on -one with the goalie, and he scores one on the, on the forehand. It's a really pretty goal from him, his second of the weekend. Yeah, I mean – I remember UMass Reindeer posted something a couple of days before the game uh, talking about Taylor Swift's new album saying Taylor did it again. And I quote tweeted that and I said, I think that's what I'm going to be saying when Taylor McCarr scores two goals during the weekend. And he ended up doing it. So thank you, Taylor, for reading that tweet and making me look good on Twitter. Really appreciate that, bud. Um, but yeah, he, he did this goal basically all by himself. He gets the puck along, along the sideboards and 
kind of just chips it around the first defenseman. You know, the, the defenseman did not have any sort of back skating speed whatsoever on this play. That makes it a two-on-one. Kind of sees the guy cheating over to try and cover the pass. I think it was Lautenbach next to him. And Taylor said, screw it. I'm taking it myself. You know what I mean? He was already kind of feeling himself from earlier in the game. You know, he got that first goal. He was definitely feeling good. And snipes at far post. I think it was off the post. Um, another, it was awesome. You know what I mean? Like, again, everybody's rallying around Taylor McCarr. Such a well-liked guy you know, especially with some of the familial connections to this program that never hurts when your brother's Kale McCarr. I think people are going to be a pretty big fan of you when that happens, but I think he's starting to carve his own path a little bit, you know, dude, six, three, roughly 200 pounds and dude skating like Kale, like his skating on this play was unbelievable. I don't know if he was taking notes from Kale in the off season, but he just looked so much faster this year. And I think that was on full display in this goal when you can basically split the D man by yourself and skate around both of them, you know, that's unreal stuff. That was stuff you used to see Bobby doing last season. You know what I mean? Maybe not as often, but to have, you know, this type of size and skating ability, you're setting yourself up for success right there, even if your hands are not the best. And his hands were on full display on this goal. You know what I mean? I'm not even trying to discount his hands. But, yeah, it was a great goal. But at this point, I mean, you're already up 6 nothing. You know, like, what is going on here for Union? You know, there was a couple of Union fans around me at this point, and – they were not happy. I think they left after this goal. They were like, oh, God, Taylor gets another one. It's time to go. Like, they, they were upset. So it was a great goal to see. It was the, uh, the undisputed best performance from a Taylor this weekend. For sure. Yes, sir. 100%. Uh, so that's how the game ends. 7 nothing. UMass outscores Union 14-1 to on the weekend. Um, I think we got to touch upon it real quick before we get into more. Uh, how about Cole Brady? Yeah. Uh, his first start for UMass. In the first period, he had 16 saves. He finishes off with 32 on the night. Uh, just a really good performance to weather that storm in the first and get his first UMass shutout. That was awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really 100% sure what I expected. You know, like, I had never seen him play previously because I wasn't at the exhibition game, sadly, before I got my car. But just, he looked very solid. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, DeMichael left in the offseason and he was kind of our dedicated you know I wouldn't say a complete goalie coach but he was an assistant coach who had a knack for teaching goalies you know that was his thing he was a former goalie back when he played NCAA uh, in the past but you know we don't really have a dedicated goalie guy you know I think all the coaches are kind of just chipping in trying to you know teach when they can and you know kind of just letting the goalies figure things out but our goalies have been arguably our bright spot this season when you know we were talking about earlier in the season that was our most questionable area. You know, we had so much uncertainty. We didn't know who was going to step up. We thought that Pavisic had locked down the net, but, you know, you see this sort of, you know, performance, you know, granted, lads, it's a union. You know, I don't want to just completely discredit everything that we do because of our opponent, but Cole Brady, regardless, looked very solid. Um, I think there were a couple of moments where he had issues seeing the puck, but I think his big frame kind of, counteracted that you know like you don't always have to see the puck as long as you're in the relatively correct position and he's a big dude he's six six you know what I mean he's going to cover a lot of the net even if he's not 100 percent you know seeing the puck at all moments but yeah he made a couple of very very solid saves throughout the game I think you know we did a decent job blocking but I think the pucks that didn't end up squeaking through you know I think Cole Brady wasn't as good with the rebound control as I would like um just at least from the eye test I think he had a couple of moments where the puck was really sitting around in the crease and he really couldn't find it. Um, but Hey, a shutout's a shutout at the end of the day. You know, it's not always just on the goalie to make things happen. I think our defensemen were doing really well to clear the puck out from out front of the net. You know, he didn't have to see a lot of danger opportunities and the ones that he did say, or that he did see, I think he dealt with appropriately. So very proud of Cole, especially because, you know, we, we saw what Pavisic was doing and we thought, there's no way in hell he's going to be able to, you know, take this starting job now. But I think the coaching staff can have faith in both goalies going forward. You know, I still think it's Pav's net until he loses it. But I think you don't really have to give Pav as long of a leash as we all thought. You know, I think if he really starts to, you know, if he does decline in his performances, you know, we don't want to, of course, you know, that never, we never wish that upon anybody, but I am definitely feeling more confident in our goalie situation going forward. 
I totally agree with you. Again, big props to Cole Brady. Um, props to Henry Graham as well. He got yeah. in for a little bit in the in the third period of that first game, which was really cool to see. Um, it's, it's very, very rare that you're able to get your third string goalie any minutes yeah. dur- during a season. So that was that was awesome to see him get some time and he didn't let anything in. So he looked pretty solid. Yeah, no, Graham really did his thing in that first game. Um, you know, I think he only had eight minutes of game time in the grand scheme of things, but didn't let in a goal. I think he looked very active in his crease. Um, I think I don't really think he's one of the bigger goalies. I think he's about six foot. So, you know, that's average to maybe below average for, you know, NHL size nowadays. But he was very quick in the net, you know, not to be confused with Jonathan Quick. I'm not saying that at all. Who knows? I would hope he could be that good. But yeah, no, I'm just messing around. Um, he looked really good, you know. I think the last time that we saw our third string goalie play, at least that I can remember off the top of my head, was like two or three years ago against UConn. And that was not for the good reason. That was because I think we were getting blown out six to one or seven to one. And we threw in Arvinitis for a period. And all credit to Arvinitis. I think he ended up going to a D3 school and he killed it. I think it was at Babson. But he, he was not really all, all it's cracked up to be at the, at the D1 level. You know what I mean? I don't think his stats were that good. He let in a couple of soft goals in that game. And we got, you know, Henry Graham coming in now, and he looked very good. You know, I think the coaching staff was very, you know, really willing to give praise to, to Henry Graham just as a competitor and, you know, as a member of the team as a whole. You know, Carvey was saying that he's very well-liked in the locker room. I don't really think I've heard a single coach talk about a member of our team that's not well-liked, but, you know, obviously that's just what having a group of high-character guys in your locker room will do. But, um, yeah, they had nothing but good things to say about Graham. So I'm very happy that he was able to get rewarded because, you know, this could even be a tryout for him for, you know, to move on to another D1 school. He doesn't even have to move on to a D3 school. He could very – he looked better than, than Union's goalie tonight, You're, you know, <laughs> that, that game. So I think – you know, knowing that our third string goalie can be better than some other teams, you know, first string guys at times, you know, obviously if we put him in for the whole game, it could be a different story, but he looked very good. And I was very happy to see that. Yeah. And uh, that was another positive from the weekend. Maybe one negative that you take away from this second game. UMass had a lot of penalties. They had mm-hmm. six in this game, two in each period, which you don't totally love to see um, against an inferior opponent like this. Uh, Josh Nodler had two of them, but at the same time he went 12 for two, 12 and two in faceoff dot in this yeah. game. So like, like, what can you really say? Uh, we just hope next outing, this team is a, a little bit more disciplined against the better hockey East opponent in Merrimack. Yeah. Just to throw it out there one last time, our faceoffs were absolutely dominant. You know what I mean? Like that's been, that's been a very big hallmark of this program, at least in my opinion, you know, like we had guys like Lapina that were just absolute face-off monsters last season. And it was no different on this team this season. You know, like you look at that first game against uh, against Union, Eric Faith, nine for 11, you know, like nine and two, basically. Like that's unbelievable. Um, Nodler, nine, nine out of 15, he won. You know, like that's very, very encouraging stuff because, again, we like to play a very systematic, you know, offensive zone, heavy offensive system. You know, we like to control the puck whenever possible. It's all about possession, getting the puck down the end boards, you know, like in, in the offensive zone and just really dominating down low and being very strong in the puck. And it all starts with winning the faceoff because if you don't have the puck in your possession, you can't score. So when we're able to do that, we really set ourselves up for success. And I'm really hoping that that can continue because, you know, it's going to be able to allow us to beat the really, really top ranked opponents, you know, that we're going to end up facing this season, you know, It'll translate very well, assuming we make it to the national tournament, because we're going to be facing some very dangerous teams that will make their chances count, but they can't get their their chances if they don't have the puck in their possession. So as long as we keep getting faceoff wins, we're really putting ourselves in a really good spot to to make things happen. Yeah, and uh, one more thing before we move on to our awards, what did you think about Union just leaving their goalie Connor Murphy out to die? He played all sixty all sixty <laughs> minutes of both games. Thought that was kind of weird. I mean it gets to the point where it's like, well, what can you really do? You know, like, I don't really think at that point it mattered what goalie was in the net. You know what I mean? Like they had already lost the game, you know, like once it gets to to four, one, you know, four, nothing, five, nothing, there's really not a whole lot you can do. You know, they, it might just be a case of just leaving their goalie out to, I don't even want to say get the experience, you know what I mean? But 
just to, you know, like, what's the point of bringing in the back to that point? It's not like you're going to shift the momentum. You're just going to start destroying this other guy's stats, you know, <laughs> like there, there really isn't a right way to handle that situation in my mind. Um, you know, part of me says, try and, you know, give him some rest. So he's not, you know, rattled at the end of the time. And he might not be ready to go for the weekend after because, you know, weak mental or something like that. Who knows? I'm not a, I'm not a college hockey goalie. I have no idea what goes into these guys' heads, but yeah, it, it was definitely interesting to see. You know, I didn't really think too much of it at the time because I was just smiling from ear to ear, knowing that we were just absolutely manhandling Union that entire weekend. But yeah, now that you bring it up, it's definitely an interesting point to note. I don't know if you have anything to say on that. No, I don't think so. I just I thought it was weird, especially since their backup goalie got three games. Yeah. Or got into three games earlier this year. So, um, yeah, I guess what you said makes a lot of sense. You just figured the game's already over. What's what's it worth making that change? But um, I all right. I guess we've I guess we've talked a lot about these games. What do you say we get into the awards? Hundred percent sounds good. Um, so the first award that we like to give out is the CCC award, Carvel's Character and Compete Award. Pretty tough when you have so many guys with multiple points on the weekend. Um, what we did, we tallied everybody up. Um, and the guy with the most points this weekend, Kenny Connors, he had five points, two goals, three assists. Um, he's just making his presence felt all over the ice this, as the season gets started here. Yeah, and it's super interesting kind of knowing his, his kind of journey to, to, to end up on our team. You know what I mean? Like when he looked at the central scouting rankings, he was kind of a fringe guy to get picked for the draft. You know, people were thinking, all right, he could probably go in the seventh round. You know, if somebody really likes, you know, what he's about as a player, you know, he has pretty solid NHL size. I think he's like six, three, you know, big guy. And um, he ended up getting picked in the fourth round, you know, and people during the draft, I remember checking Twitter at that point, they were like, what's going on here? You know, like why, why is Kenny Connors, you know, a guy that's, you know, supposed to be a fringe, you know, draft pick getting picked in the middle of the fourth round like holy shit you know like that's that's kind of crazy stuff to see but um he's been really outperforming those expectations you know the kings clearly saw something in him and clearly we did as well you know to try and get him onto our team but um yeah he's looked amazing you know we we're definitely putting him in really good positions to succeed i think the teammates around him are definitely contributing to his success and really enabling him to make big plays but He's doing his thing as well. You know, it doesn't matter how many great passes you get and how many good opportunities you get. You got to put him in the back of the net at the end of the day. And he's really showing that scoring instinct and not even just in, in that vein. You know, I think he's doing all the little things really well, you know, as well. He's corralling the puck well along the boards. He's playing super strong hockey. You know, he's always in front of the net. You know, he's always being that net front guy, um, which is not an easy thing to do at the NCAA level, especially when you're a freshman. You know, usually, when, when you bring in freshmen in, into the NCAA, they got to take a year to kind of bulk up. You know, I feel like we saw that a lot with Scotty Morrow last year. He was a very skilled guy. He was, you know, he had really solid IQ, but he wasn't the biggest dude out there. You know, his, his top end speed as a skater was never the greatest. He would find himself getting bullied off the puck, you know, just due to sheer lack of strength. You know, his body positioning was always solid, but if you're not the biggest guy out there, you're going to find somebody else on the ice that is the biggest guy out there. And they're going to try and take advantage of that. But Connors has just been unbelievable as of recently. And he really showed his quality this weekend. Yeah. And guys, remember, this is a freshman we're talking about. So yeah. it is so awesome to see all of the scoring out of him for sure. Um, the second award that we give out is the good try UMass award. Somebody that we'd like to see um, be a little bit better for the next game. <laughs> when you win, a series with a combined score of 14 to one, it's pretty hard to find somebody who you think needs to, to improve upon something. So we're going full band-aid mode on this one. Uh, we take a look at the scoring sheet. There was only two guys who did it, two skaters who didn't get on the scoring sheet. Um, and that was um, McDermott and Ellis. So they obviously didn't play poorly. We won 14 to one, but just a total, um, it's a, it's a reach for sure, but we, should, those are just the two guys who didn't get on the scoring sheet this weekend. Yeah. These guys are still both. I'm pretty sure a, a positive on the weekend, you know, in terms of plus minus you, th this is a complete BS award. You know what I mean? It was, we're literally doing this for the sake of humor at this point. This is not a serious good try UMass award in the slightest. Like it's just, it's one of those, like, you know, you're kind of poking some guy in the ribs. You're just like, dude, really? You know, we just scored 14 goals. You couldn't even get a single point. Are you out yeah. of your mind. Like, Come on, dude. But 
no, we, they, they still were, were doing their thing in the defensive end, you know, McDermott, I still think is very accomplished on the defensive side of the puck. You know, Noah Ellis is still kind of growing into, you know, his role, especially, you know, he's a freshman, you know what I mean? Some guys take longer than others, you know, he, he was not a detriment to the team at all. You know what I mean? So this is a complete BS award. We are not trying to call them out in any way, shape or form. This is all meant to be jokes basically, but yeah, you got to figure you're getting 14 goals. You got to contribute on at least one pal. You know what I mean? Come on. So yeah, definitely not a legitimate award in the slightest. So fair, fair play to both of them. We, we're definitely seeing what they're doing regardless. Yeah, that's just, uh, hey, next time, boys, next time we score 14, maybe get on the score sheet. Exactly. Yeah, how, about, <laughs> how about you be the reason it's 15? All right, let's, yeah. let's do that. <laughs> yeah, no, no detriment to them at all. This is a Band-Aid award for sure. Um, so now, again, this year we're going to each do a custom award uh, at the end of a, a game or series. I guess I'll go first with mine. Um, this team's heating up when, uh, when something's heating up. Check the thermometer, right? See the temperature going up. And what's in the thermometer? A little mercury. We're seeing Lucas Mercury heating up big time, especially in this second game for sure. He got on the score sheet a lot. He had a goal. He had two assists. Uh, he was really good in the faceoff dot too. I, I believe he was um, 12 and seven in the faceoff dot. So just a really big second game for Lucas Mercury. And uh, I had him as our uh, one of the guys to improve the most. Uh, going into this season. So it was nice to see him contribute in a big way. Yeah. It, it was kind of funny that, you know, I was sitting with a couple of, a couple of good pals, a couple of season ticket holders, um, you know, because Cam was not at the game, you know, the, these past couple of days, he was out on boyfriend duty. And as I am very single, I am out here uh, still supporting my one true love UMass hockey. So I had a little bit of uh, some different compatriots with me over the weekend, but when I was talking with them, I think it was early in the second period of that second game. I, I oddly enough mentioned that Mercury was, I don't want to say underwhelming, but I think he just wasn't showing up on the score sheet as much as I would like him to, because both of his, his line mates, you know, Taylor and uh, I think it was Lautenbach at that point, were both, you know, really looking good and they were showing up on the score sheet. So noticing that Mercury really wasn't on there as much, I was thinking to myself like, eh, I wish you could be doing a little bit better, you know, showing up on the score sheet a little bit more. And I think it was genuinely a minute or two after that, he ends up getting that first goal. And I'm like, all right, like, really, do I have to start crap talking every single player in order for them to just immediately prove me wrong two minutes after the fact? Like, it, it's just some insane karma, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You know what I mean? I think he was definitely playing a lot better this weekend. He was showing up in, you know, really positive moments along along the ice, you know, on in a lot of different ways. I think he was playing very physical. You know, he was playing with, with some solid skill at moments. So very happy to see him starting to heat up, you know, get that mercury rising in the thermometer, as you like to say, Cameron. So yeah, very happy to see that. Yeah. What you guys didn't see was Evan dying to keep it together. As I was explaining that my logic behind that award, but uh, yeah, that one goes to Lucas Mercury. Remember he's a, he's an NHL draft pick six round pick of the, of the Canes. So he's got some pretty high potential. Um, we're looking forward to seeing that coming through as this year goes on. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, what is your award for this series? So I, I don't even, I don't even sure if I want to give out a, a real award. I think I'm just going to give props to three guys this weekend that uh, lost their G card. They got their, their, their first collegiate goals. Um, very proud of them all. So we got Lyndon Alger. It's his third year on the program. I'm pretty sure. And uh, this is his first, um, first collegiate goal. You know what I mean? I think his first two seasons with us, um, he really didn't get a whole lot of playing time in the grand scheme of things. Um, he was usually a seventh defenseman. He would kind of just go out there every now and then. Um, didn't didn't collect any points um, in the 18 games that he's played before the start of the season. But now he, he's our third line defenseman. You know, he's our third line guy. Um, he's really looked solid. You know, obviously we gave him the good try, I think, last weekend. But that's against the number one team in the nation. You know what I mean? If, if there's anybody that you're going to nitpick on, if it's your third string D-man or your third line D-man against, you know, at the time was number one, we might be number one after this weekend. Who knows? But, uh, you know, you really can't blame him too much. So very happy for Lyndon Alger, even though second, you know, there's one and a half seconds left in, in the game. But, you know, they all count the same anyway. You know, that just shows that you're playing till the whistle. You know, you don't give up on the play. I think that was a really good moment for him. Um, and plus, I'm pretty sure he's a, his father was an alumni with the, uh, the UMass hockey program. So that's always good to see kind of the generations kind of move through the team. Um, which I thought was awesome. Um, 
Got to give props to Cole O'Hara. Very, very good weekend for him on the whole. Um, really started to heat up this weekend. Um, yeah, super happy for him. A uh, little, little unknown fact about him. I'm not sure if I mentioned on the pod before, but one of my good pals actually grew up in the same neighborhood as him. And uh, Cole O'Hara used to be filthy at Call of Duty back in the day. He used to play Modern Warfare 2 a lot. Like people were telling me he could have went pro, you know, like he could have been like one of those professional gamers, which is pretty crazy to hear about. But uh, yeah, very happy to see him, you know, especially because my buddy, you know, tells me stories about him all the time from, you know, growing up and stuff. So that's super cool to see. And then uh, the one, one of the, one of the co-hosts of the show, Cameron, you know, obviously I'm talking about Michael Cameron in this case, you know, as a joke, but um, yeah, he comes in, I think he was the extra forward in the first game. And then he slides in for Cal Keefe on the first line of all places, which again, just kind of shows you how fluid this team can be. I think it's awesome just knowing that Carvey has enough trust in the roster to just move up and down the lines as they see fit. Cause you know, we have three already very established lines that again, you know, you think of them as the second, third and fourth line. They're really not. We roll four lines. You know, I think we give them fairly even time out there. So for even to say that he slots in the first line, he's really just slotting in for an injured player just on one of the lines. And it was a beauty goal. You know, it was definitely, you know, again, put him into a really good position to succeed um, considering that it was essentially, you know, mid, mid slot, just absolute nip top corner. You know, that was, that was a beautiful goal. So, you know, you, you see a guy that goes from literally being an extra forward to almost a healthy scratch at times. And he's out here putting in really nice moments like that. You know, I was very impressed with the way that Cameron was playing uh, over this past weekend. He was very quick. You know, he, he was, he's not a particularly big guy and sometimes you got to make up for that strength with some speed instead. And he had that, you know, he looked really, really good. I think he was very active, you know, playing on the back check and doing things like that. He reminded me a lot of Lautenbach. He was a little bit less physical, but I think the energy and the work rate was definitely there because he really wanted to seize the opportunity. And I think he looked really good. Hey, and if Michael Cameron pops off in his UMass career, I might have to might have to get myself a Cameron jersey. Who knows? There you go. We'll see. But uh, yeah, big props to those guys. That's really awesome to get your first collegiate goal. It's pretty special. So um, it couldn't have happened on a better weekend for the team too, which is nice. Yeah, very happy to see them lose their G card this weekend. Very very <laughs> cool. All right. Anything else you wanna you wanna mention? I know we went pretty long, but uh, anything else about these two games you wanna mention before we get into the out of town scoreboard? Not really. Um, I think. Just again, keep the momentum going to next weekend. You know, we we took care of business. We did exactly what we had to do. Don't lose sight, you know, of the game plan. You know, trust in the coaching staff because what they've been telling the players to do has been working absolutely amazingly. You know, I think the the trust is fully there in this team. You know, we were really worried about the goal scoring on this team, and it, we had probably some of the most even goal scoring, you know, that we've ever seen on this team. You know, like last year everything came from that first line. You know, it was the weight, Bobby, uh, Lopina line. And now we're sitting there thinking like, oh, how's the first line going to step up? And we had literally no secondary scoring last year. Now we have nothing but secondary scoring. We, we couldn't even call it primary scoring. You know what I mean? Just everybody's sitting there contributing. So it's a super cool thing to see. And uh, I want to see it continue against Merrimack because that they always play us very tough. Yeah, they do. And like you said, uh, it's just so nice to see goal scoring, kind of know where that's going to come from now goaltending we know that's going to be pretty solid now special teams phenomenal like so yeah. many question marks that we had going into this season have been uh pretty much answered so far and it's awesome to see we are just finding ourselves falling in love with this team more and more uh we're so we're so early in the season too but it's so it's so fun to watch and we can't wait for more of it um, like like you mentioned a home and home with merrimack next weekend that's going to be a bigger test uh, for this team, like you said, you, Merrimack always plays us pretty well, so we'll see how that shapes out. Um, and speaking of Merrimack, I thought we'd jump right into the Hockey East scoreboard. We kind of uh, forgot to do that for the last uh, <laughs> game recaps, but uh, we'll just go day by day over this weekend, and um, I'll share how the other Hockey East teams did. Hockey East is looking really strong to start this year, which is um, good for everybody in the conference, really. So um, here are the scores from Friday. Um, UConn playing BU in Boston and they end up coming away with a 4-3 win um, pretty good matchup there both ranked teams Merrimack beats Colgate 5-0 New Hampshire beats Army 3-1 uh, Denver uh, familiar foe goes into um, beating Providence 4-1 um, and then like we already talked about UMass beats Union 7-1 on Saturday we have uh, UMass Lowell playing Northeastern in Boston, and Lowell wins three to two. Another good matchup. 
Um, second game between BU and UConn. BU takes that one five to two. Second game between Denver and Providence. Denver wins three to two. So Denver sweeps, which helps our pairwise for sure, having beaten them both times. Vermont steamrolled Holy Cross six nothing. Uh, Merrimack lost to Colgate, which is a tough loss for them five to three. In Maine, one of the biggest games of the weekend, they beat number three Quinnipiac four nothing at home, mm-hmm. which is awesome to see. Um, and then again, UMass beating Union seven to nothing. Uh, there's a couple games today, I believe. Um, I believe you Maine is playing Quinnipiac again at four. Um, as we're recording, BC is playing New Hampshire and they're up four nothing, uh, late in the third period. So BC will beat New Hampshire, but uh. Yeah, I don't know if you have any takeaways from that. The main Quinnipiac game is a, a eye-popping score for sure. Yeah, that was going to be the one I was going to immediately bring up. I mean, super happy for Ben Barr, just throwing that out there. You know, that's awesome to see. You know, I think nobody was really giving Maine a lot of credit, and I think people, you know, were hesitant to kind of hop onto the Ben Barr bandwagon, if you will, the, the Triple B, not talking about Lonzo Ball's big baller brand, but – uh. <laughs> You know, really weird side tangent. Whatever happened to that? That like completely fell off the radar. Like twenty, like twenty eighteen called. They wanted their their brand back for shoes. But um, yeah. I mean, super super happy for Maine there. I mean, it's Quinnipiac. You know, like they're they're a very very solid team. You know, they're always you know they've been a top ten team for quite a while now. So to to have what was expected to be a team on the lower end of hockey East pull off a four nothing shutout win at that, you know, that's huge. You know, I think that's going to look really good. You know, I'm, I'm never really one to kind of go into all the pairwise BS. You know, I, I hate having to overanalyze every single win, trying to think about, you know, is this going to help us when we beat them? I just like to look at teams and just say, UMass got to win against every team that they can, but in the grand scheme of things, a strong hockey East is obviously going to be good, you know, especially for, for our rankings in the grand scheme of things. So that's super awesome to see, but, um, you know, I hate, I hate kind of cheering for other hockey East teams just because I really couldn't care less about them. I only care about UMass at the grant, you know, at the, at the end of the day, but it's definitely super good to, to, to see that, you know, I think, I think Maine really has something to pat themselves on the back for, because that's a huge win for them. Yeah. A, a couple other takeaways I had, um, UConn splitting with BU. Those are two of the best teams in hockey East that we'll yeah. see a bunch. Uh, they both look really solid. Um, Northeastern, and Lowell, Lowell beating Northeastern, both of those teams are going to be very solid as well. So the the upper end of Hockey East is looking really, really good. Um, and we were talking about Quinnipiac, the team we might see in the uh, the Friendship Four coming up. So that might be interesting. Uh, I guess we'll we'll hop over to the national side of things. You were talking about uh, um, not wanting to have it to pay attention to every win and how it stacks up for for pairwise and the way UMass is going right now, if they can keep this up, we won't have to worry about pairwise getting into that national tournament. So uh, UMass came into this series ranked sixth in the country, uh, a big jump from 13th, I believe when they, when they swept Denver. So they were sixth this weekend um, and I'll just run through the teams ahead of them. So um, number one, Minnesota had a split with number seven, um, North Dakota. So they might drop a little bit. We'll see. Um, number two, Minnesota State got swept by number eight, St. Cloud State. Um, like we mentioned, number three, Quinnipiac lost to Maine. They're playing again tonight at four. Um, number four, Denver swept Providence. One of those games had to go to OT, uh, but so a lot of people were surprised to see Denver still ahead of UMass. We might see that flip. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, number five, Michigan swept uh, Lake Superior State, uh, both pretty commanding games. So, there's, there's a world where UMass cracks the top three, and I think they might even get some number one votes um, this weekend for national rankings. Wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I think it would be a little suspect if we were still ranked below Denver. Um, I think we just how – do you, how do you end up being lower? You know, I get it. Like, you know, if, if you make things like that and you, cert, you, know, you do the whole circle of parity, you know, like you, you think about what teams beat who, and, you know, if this team sweeps another team, they have to be ranked above them. It doesn't always work out like that, you know, at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, I really hope that we're going to be above Denver. You know, I think we probably do end up third, in my opinion. I think we're going to get a couple of number one votes because people are definitely going to think that we're legit, you know, because me and you obviously think we're legit. We're a little biased, you know, but I think even from an unbiased take, you can think, you know, our only massive, massive competition has been against Denver. And those were 
I think taking into account the strength of our opponents, those, those were basically just as good of games as we had played against Union. You know, the score lines might not say the same exact thing because we just absolutely walloped Union. But taking into account the difference in, you know, ability between Denver and Union, I think, I think we played about the same in, in both series. So to keep that sort of consistency and just absolutely destroy our opponents the past two weeks, you know, definitely helps that we were at home you know, all four of those games. But I think, I think the, the voters will definitely see that, you know, UMass is a scary team this season, at least as of, as of right now, you know, things could change in the future. I don't want to speculate too much because the, the voters are only doing this on a week to week basis. So if you look at the team right now in a vacuum, you, you, there's going to be a couple of those guys saying UMass is going to be the number one team. And I'm very happy to say that. Yeah, that, that is so awesome. Um, Keep an eye on our socials uh, at high character underscore. We'll definitely repost whatever the rankings end up being wherever UMass falls. So uh, keep an eye, keep an eye there. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, in terms of our content, Monday night we will be coming out with the the vlog for our our weekend for the home opener, the Denver series. That was a lot of fun content there. It is uh, videos done. It was a really fun video. So uh, definitely check that out. Monday night we'll be we'll be tweeting that out, posting on Instagram. And then after that, our next podcast episode should be um, coming out either Thursday or Friday, a preview for Merrimack. So um, not sure if we're going to be able to get to the road game. Definitely should be at the home game, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll keep you guys updated on that as well. But that's what our outlook is. Um, again, phenomenal weekend for UMass. Very fun to watch. Um, any final takeaways? Um, yeah, the only thing that came to my mind is I will definitely be at that Merrimack game. I know that for a fact. I will certainly be there. Um, I got a buddy of mine going with me to that game, so that should be a fun one. Um, so I guess it's just hinging on you. I guess we just got a little bit of foreshadowing because you weren't that sure about it. So we'll definitely see how that shakes out over the weekend. But, um, yeah, I'm hoping to see both games, and I'm hoping to see two Ws. You know, I think that's what we all want to see. So let's uh, – here's to hoping. You know what I mean? I think yeah. Merrimack is a team that always plays us super well. You know, any game at the Lawler rink – is always a bit of a scary one. You know, they, it, it looks like a high school rink, but they bring NHL energy. You know what I mean? They're definitely a, a very solid team that always just seems to, I wouldn't say have UMass's number because we still always pull out, you know, wins at the end of the day for the most part, but they, they, they do not make it easy for us. You know, they're usually very well fought games that are ended, you know, three to two, two to one, super defensively responsible. And, we always tend to just score extremely greasy goals against them. So I'm hoping with a little bit more skill up and down the lineup this year, in my opinion, I think we should, we should definitely be putting on a show. Yeah, I think so too. Friday's game is at Mullen. Saturday's game is at Lawler rink, like you said. Um, and next week we'll for sure have the Lawler rink arena review coming too, which yes, will be sir. fun. Um, yeah. I think we're thinking about it more now. Um, for you, those of you who don't know, I'm a massive Yankees fan and their season is just about over. So uh, that'd probably be the only thing that limits me from coming out to Merrimack. So I'll very likely be in attendance at that one as well. Um, that was everything we had. Thank you guys. If you made it all the way through this episode, this is maybe the longest episode we've ever recorded for this podcast. So thank you for sticking with us. Lots to talk about 14 goals, but uh, we will, uh, we will see you soon. And until then go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Thank you.